This week on It Starts With Attraction. Recently, I surveyed the It Starts With Attraction podcast listeners, people just like you, to ask what they would like to hear more of in upcoming episodes of the podcast. And so in today's episode, we're going to be covering one of those questions, which is what is my weekly routine and how do I work on my pies? I figured it was pretty fitting to do that episode right now. I'm in no makeup, in my gym clothes, just got done with one of my workouts for today. And so that's what we're going to dive into. I'm going to give you my tools, my strategies, my techniques that I use to help me work on my pies on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. Let's dive into today's episode. There's a process to falling in love, and it starts with attraction. Join Kimberly Beam Holmes and her special guests as they discuss how to become the most attractive you can be. Physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as we refer to it, working on your pies. We'll teach you how to have better relationships and become more attractive to others, and maybe more importantly, to yourself. It starts with attraction, and it starts now. One of the things that I have been studying a lot over the past three years has been motivation and why people are motivated to do the things they do, what helps motivation, how can we have higher levels of motivation, and so on and so forth. And a lot of the research out there that's been done on motivation has been based in what's called self-determination theory. Self-determination theory states that there are three key components that a person needs if they're going to be motivated to do something autonomy, competency, and belongingness. So basically what all of that boils down to and means is that when a person feels like they have the ability to choose the goal for themselves and do it, which is autonomy, when they have the competency to do it, they feel like they have the ability to actually do it and do it well. And the relatedness or belongingness, which means that either It's something where they feel a sense of belonging when they work towards that thing, or it is related to another goal that they have in their their life. When those three things are present, it leads to the highest levels of motivation. Further than that, there's five different types of motivation. There is external motivation, intro, introjected motivation. There is identified motivation, motivation. There's several different kinds. We're not going to talk about all of those. We're going to talk about two because really motivation is on a spectrum from external to intrinsic motivation. And what that means is when we feel like we are motivated to do something because of an external pressure or an external circumstance, if someone else is wanting us to do it, then that is external motivation. When we feel like we're not in control of what it is, what the actual goal is, it's been something that's been given to us and we are motivated to do it, but we're doing it out of a sense of obligation or fear of punishment, then that is an external motivation. It can still work to get something done, but the way we feel about ourselves as we're pursuing one of those goals is not nearly as good as the way that we feel about ourselves if it's something that we chose and want to do out of our own volition, which is intrinsic motivation. Now, external motivation, here's an example of that. If you were working at an office and they did a step challenge one month and you had no desire to do the step challenge, but you felt compelled because of your boss or maybe your coworkers to do it. And so you felt a sense of obligation to join and be a part of that, then that would be external motivation. 
Another example of this could be maybe when you were growing up, you had a parent who forced you to play a certain sport or to take an interest in a certain subject because that's what they wanted you to do. And so because you didn't want to let that person down, you did the thing and you were motivated to do the thing, but it wasn't because you of your own volition wanted to. It was because you didn't want to let someone else down. It's a type of motivation, but it is not the strongest type of motivation. And it does not lead us to feel the best about ourselves when we only pursue motivation that falls under that category, that external motivation. Intrinsic motivation, on the other hand, is something that we want to do because we find joy, pleasure, something that benefits us because of doing that goal or having that goal or having that habit. And therefore we intrinsically are aligned and motivated to pursue it or to complete it. And we actually end up feeling the best about ourselves when we pursue the goals that we want to pursue and that we have joy pursuing. So as I am talking through how I work on my pies, realize that I have filtered many of my decisions about working on my pies through what is it that I want to do? What is it I enjoy doing? And that's typically how I set up working on my pies. It can be a great place for you to start too. So when it comes to physical, for me, the way that I physically work on my pies is through what I eat, how I move, and how I sleep. So it starts with my sleep. I've talked about this in many other podcast episodes and other things that I've done. I really ensure that I am allowing my body to have eight to nine hours a night in bed and sleeping. And I have a whole sleep routine that I have set up. I typically do start my sleep routine. Well, technically it starts in the morning when I get up and get outside and get fresh sunlight in my eyes, which helps melatonin to to be able to be produced at the time at night when I need it to be produced. So technically that's when it starts. But in the evening, I really do decompress from work. I completely disconnect from work. I will watch TV with my husband right now. We're watching Friends. So we'll do that starting around 8.30 after the kids go to bed. And we'll do that for about 30 minutes, maybe an hour. But about 9.30, 9.45 is when we're transitioning into bed and really moving into sleep. And so because I've done that for so long, it's my routine and I really protect my time that I sleep. So I sleep. That's the first way that I work on my pies. But then when I wake up each morning, I do a couple of things. So first of all, so first of all, as I said before, I try and get outside for at least five to 10 minutes. I used to do a walk every morning, just going outside in the sun, doing a regular walk about two miles each day is what I would do. But in the past month or two, I've actually started to do zone two training in the mornings. So four days a week, I will actually, we have a treadmill that we got on Black Friday last year, which we just got put together about a month or two ago. And we put that together in our garage. So I'll open up the garage door so I still have sunlight coming in, even though I'm not directly in the sunlight. I'm getting that direct exposure at least to looking at the sun, even if I'm in shade, which is still helpful. So I'll be in there. I'll put the treadmill or I'll wear my Apple Watch and put on, um, I have an app called Zones. And I use that on my watch to it gives me real-time feedback on what my heart rate is. And it's a little, uh, I just like the way that it has haptic feedback so I can know when I move into a different zone just by the way that it vibrates on my arm. 
So I'll use that to get into about a 65 to 75% of my max heart rate by using the treadmill. Because when I, if I'm going to walk outside, I actually have to run in order for me to get into what is the zone two heart rate for me, which I am classifying as 65% to 75% of my one rep max. But when I use the treadmill, I can walk, which is less load on my knees over time. And, uh, and so I'll put it at like 8% incline at 3.6 miles per hour or some kind of variation of that, just getting my heart rate for 45 minutes in that zone rate. And I'm doing that four times a week. And the reason for that is because I'm trying this. I've heard Peter Atia talk about it on his podcast. And in some other people talking about how zone two is really helpful for longevity and for mitochondrial uh, rejuvenation and regeneration and some different things that are happening there. So it's something that I'm trying right now. And it's, I'm really trying to build my aerobic base, especially because I have realized over the past couple of months, I have a high family history of heart disease. And so doing things to increase my heart function, my aerobic capacity is very important to me. And zone two training is helping me do that. So I do that for 45 minutes, four times a week. And so that's about three hours a week, which is right around the sweet spot of where I want to be with that. The other days I will get out and just do my normal walk on the other three days a week. Then I'm working out and doing strength training and stability work five days a week, sometimes six. And I really focus right now, uh, the gym that I go to, the programming that we're following is doing lifts. So we're doing deadlifts, we're doing back squats, bench press and push presses with an Olympic barbell. And those are some of my goals. Those are things that I enjoy doing. I love weightlifting. I love lifting a heavy bar. I love working on different types of Olympic lifts, even snatches or clean and jerks. Those are things that intrinsically I am highly motivated to do. I've also been working on my my pull-ups over the past three to four months now. And I did my first pull-up in February. And I am up to being able to do five without stopping. But over the course of a workout, I've done up to 50 during one workout, which I'm really, really happy with. And that's unassisted. But again, that was a goal I set for myself. It's something I wanted to do for several reasons. I realized at the beginning of this year that my posterior chain, which is the back of my body, is one of the weakest parts of my body. And I also had a hypothesis that maybe some of my neck problems that I was having was because I wasn't as strong and as I could be in my posterior chain. And so I've really been working on that in several reasons. I've also been working on my hamstrings, my deadlifts. And so I have a deeper reason as to why I'm working on many of the things that I'm working on that is motivating me to do so. I also know that for strength training, that muscle, it's incredibly important, especially in your 30s and 40s, to really work on your muscle mass because after we turn 40, 50 years old, we begin to lose muscle at a higher rate. And so I want to be able to be incredibly active in my 70s and 80s, which is why I'm putting so much emphasis on my exercise program in my 30s, because I want to be able to have the biggest aerobic conditioning foundation that I can, knowing I'm going to lose it over time, and the biggest muscle mass mass foundation that I can, knowing I'm going to lose it over time. So those are things I'm, I'm really highlighting because I have a bigger why 
behind it. I am choosing these goals for myself. I know that I have the competency to do it. It relates to other goals that I have. And even in a sense, it gives me a sense of belonging to that community of exercise fanatics and things like that that I belong to. That's the main way I work on the physical part of my attraction. I also do really try and watch what I eat in a healthy way. I struggled with eating disorders in the past, so I try not to be super neurotic about it to put me back into old unhealthy habits, but I do try and make it a high priority to eat whole healthy foods. So I really limit my sugar. I really limit gluten or anything like that, dairy for the most part unless it's goat cheese on a salad. That is something that I just love so much. But I really do try and focus on eating the foods that help me to feel the best way possible. Now, in the past, when I have done diets, when I've done whole 30s, when I have done different programs like Amanda Nybert, I had her on my pod, I had her on my podcast a about a, a year ago. We'll link to that episode in the show notes. It was a fantastic episode. I did her lean program. It was fantastic. But it's harder for me to stay intrinsically motivated in nutrition than it is in fitness. I am highly intrinsically motivated, all things fitness, and I'm kind of intrinsically motivated in all things nutrition. I love to eat good food. I love healthy food. But probably for me, what I'm most intrinsically motivated by is I want to be able to, I I do love eating protein. It's easy for me to eat, to hit that 120 grams a day of my protein goal. I love eating fruits and vegetables. I love a great salad. I'm more likely to hit and be motivated to eat those ways when I have help cooking or meal prep and and I'm very proactive in thinking that way. But it's also easier for me to be more intrinsically motivated and enjoy doing it when everyone else in my house is doing so as well. So when my husband and I did the whole 30 a couple of months ago, we both enjoyed doing that together. Uh, And at the same time, we don't want to get in a spot, especially with nutrition, when we feel like we have to eat a certain way in order for someone else to love us, that external motivation, which is not the case in in what Rob and I were doing in our whole 30. But in general, I think that's where people can easily get to. And so that's one that will take a little bit more of understanding the why and just relating food and nutrition and wellness into how it makes us feel. And are we serving our body? Is it helpful to us and healthful for us, the things that we're eating and helping us to reach a bigger physical goal that we have? And that doesn't just have to be looks or a certain size that you're looking to be. For me, I don't have that at all. I've pretty much stopped weighing myself And really, I'm focusing on what's my muscle mass and what's my body fat percentage. I want to be as healthy as I can, despite whatever the number is on the scale. So for me, that's how I stay physically, intrinsically motivated. Now, let's talk about intellectual motivation. Intellectual attraction is all about continuing to learn, continuing to grow, to be interested in people that other interested in things that other people are interested in so we can continue to be fascinating people to talk to. That's what makes us intellectually attractive. So for me, honestly, a large part of what's taking my intellectual space right now is working on my PhD. And there are a lot of times that I don't have any joy or pleasure or any internal willingness to continue working on it. But there is a deeper drive in me that is very competitive and 
and, and is absolutely going to finish what I commit to start and finish what I say I'm going to do, which is what drives me even when it gets hard. So even when it's not fun or enjoyable, I'm doing everything I can to dig deep and stay motivated even when it's incredibly difficult, which right now I'm in a season of a lot of reiterations of my actual proposal and my actual dissertation. There's a lot of writing. There's hundreds of scholarly articles pulled up on my computer literally right now that j- even this afternoon, I'm going to have to go through and, and continue to edit chapter two of my dissertation. It takes a lot. But in general, when we move away from something like that, which actually before I move away from that, If you have a learning goal like that, a formal education learning goal, then it is still just as important that you choose the ones that in general, you are going to love doing something you love learning, not just going to get a master's in business because it's what your company wants you to do. If you have no interest in that, I would encourage you to think what is something you actually love learning, something you would want to continue working in that space, and something that has a deeper meaning or a deeper value to you, because that's what's going to help you stay motivated to keep doing it, as opposed to, I'm only getting my college degree because my parents want me to, but I hate every single step of it. That is what we're trying to get away from. But there is a part of this, which is learning about something that someone else enjoys even if it's not what you do, because of the benefit of the relationship and the benefit it will bring to your relationship. What do I mean by that? When you have a kid, for example, who's super into something, like my daughter right now is really into Pokemon. When I was growing up, I had a lot of the Pokemon cards, but I never watched the show. I wasn't super into it like she is. And so she has one of these big books. She loves learning about them, telling me about them. Now, am I intrinsically motivated to play, learn, or watch Pokemon on its own? No, I'm not. But I am intrinsically motivated to have a great relationship with my daughter. And if one of the ways that we can do that is by connecting about a subject that she loves and enjoys, then absolutely, that's what I'm going to put time and emphasis into doing. And so that may be a way that you think about intellectual attraction and how you work towards intellectual attraction and becoming your best self intellectually is not just thinking about what are the things that you have an intrinsic desire to learn and do, but also what are the things that the people you love have an intrinsic desire to love and do, and you can use as a way to further deepen your relationship with them, which leads us into emotional attraction. Remember, emotional attraction is all about evoking emotions within other people they enjoy feeling. Now, intrinsically, how do I do this on a day-to-day basis in a way that I love it? I think all of us love or want, have a desire and have a joy that we get out of having great relationships. So in some ways, I think that this is a part of, of who we all want to be. But I believe that we can take it a step further in thinking of what are the things that you can do that you are naturally gifted or naturally inclined to do that do evoke positive emotions within other people that maybe not everyone has that gifting of. Maybe you're an amazing encourager. Maybe you love making other people laugh. Maybe you make fantastic cakes that you would love to bless some people around you with. I don't know what that is for you, 
but think about what you love doing for other people that can show them how much you love them and do some of those things. But another way to think about this is what are the things that people in my life would really appreciate me doing? And even when it's not my natural inclination, how can I serve them, be there for them, or do that for them as a way of helping to evoke positive emotions within them? So how do I work on my emotional attraction on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis? Honestly, a big part of it starts with me having a good foundation to start my day so that my mood will be in the right place. My irritability won't show up. My anxiety won't be there. A lot of this looks like me working on my anxiety, which I've talked openly about in this podcast and many other places, because when I allow my anxiety to get a hold of me. I'm not a fun person to be around. I'm uh, it, it can de- be very debilitating in many ways and, and does make me highly irritable. So if I want to evoke em- emotions within others that they enjoy feeling, I need to make sure that I am in a good place to be able to be that kind of person that can evoke those emotions. So I do a lot of self-work on a day-to-day basis. I make sure that I spend that time in the morning in prayer, in my Bible, which we'll talk about in the next step, but just filtering through my thoughts, getting rid of my unhelpful thoughts, working towards having more helpful thoughts and getting my mind in a good place. And then being sensitive to having habits and routines in my day where I intentionally check in with people, asking my kids, how was school today? What was your favorite thing that you learned? What is something nice that you did for someone else? And that being something that we do at night as we're eating dinner together or before we go to bed. I've started doing a thing where when I lay my kids down, every night now that we, I lay down in bed with them for about five or 10 minutes and we just kind of laugh or giggle. And I ask them some fun questions to just get us to connect. But same is true for my husband. I really have to be sure that I'm taking that intentional time with him on a day-to-day basis that either before the kids are down for bed, maybe while they're playing around doing other stuff, or after the kids have gone to bed, that we are spending time just talking to each other, spending that time with each other, that I'm sensitive to his needs during a day, and I am offering him help? How can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I support you in what you're working towards right now? So it really just takes that intentionality of noticing what the people around you, especially the people who live in your home, are struggling with or where they need support and being willing to lean in and do that for them. I'm trying to do a better job as well of planning time with friends or with my extended family, like my mom and my sister, every week or every month, just going out and having a girl's night or going to yard sales, garage sales, maybe some of the things you called them, and doing that with friends and family as a way to continue to intentionally connect and not just get so lost in work and in my PhD during this season. Going back real quick, another way I work on intellectual attraction is when I'm going on my walks or when I'm doing that 45 minutes in the morning on the treadmill, I love using that time to catch up on my podcast or my audio books. And that's a, that's a way that I enjoy using that time and even habit stacking and pies stacking on working on two pies while having two habits happen at once. The final way that we'll talk about is spiritual attraction, living in line with our beliefs and values. For me, I love Jesus and I really, really need time spent 
in the word each day, in the Bible each day. And it's something that to be completely transparent, I've gotten out of the habit of over the past couple of weeks, maybe even the past month as there's been a lot of change in our schedule. And I feel it. I notice it. And so for me, it's blocking out that time on a daily basis in the morning, or sometimes I've even tried in the evening, but the morning works best for me to where I can just sit and read, pray, have some time to reflect on the day, to simply sit in silence with Jesus and hear from him anything that he would like to say to me. It's something that is so important and it's a way to work on your spiritual attraction. Another way to work on spiritual attraction and and having the motivation to do it is finding a way to serve in your community, whether that is by mowing your neighbor's lawn or volunteering at a soup kitchen or maybe just volunteering at your church, something that you enjoy doing that gives you energy, that you're excited to do, that you have the competency to do, that you're choosing to do because it's something you want to do, maybe even bringing your kids and your spouse in to do those things with you is another great way to live in line with your beliefs and values. And again, that might not be something like serving or giving or volunteering at a soup kitchen, may not be something you're doing every single day, but how can you bring it into the cadence of your rhythms and your habits on a weekly or a monthly or a quarterly or a yearly basis? Maybe it's going on a mission trip. Maybe it's something that you that is a bit further in the future, but you plan for and you get excited for. I know for me, mission trips were a huge part of my upbringing and something that really shaped the person that I am today. And I cannot wait until I'm able to take my daughter and my son with me and my husband on a mission trip so that we can do that as a family. It's something that I have been looking forward to for so long. And they're just about at the age where I feel comfortable being able to do that. It's another great way to work on your pies. And going on a mission trip isn't something we do every week. It's not even something we do every year. Hopefully soon in the future with the kids getting older, we'll be able to do that. But intrinsically, it's something I want to do. I'm highly motivated to do it for several reasons of why it matters a lot to me. But the bottom line of it is, when you look at each area of your pies, I've shared with you some of the ways I work on mine. But you have to do what makes sense for you and what you are intrinsically motivated to do. What is it that you feel a sense of autonomy because you're able to choose it, not it being assigned to you from someone else, that you feel competent to be able to do it. You have the skill set or the talent or whatever it is to be able to actually do that thing, even if it stretches you and you have the relatedness. It make sense in light of the bigger goals that you have for your life, or you feel a sense of belonging in the community that it's a part of when you do this. Those are the three things that when they are there tend to have higher levels of intrinsic motivation, which is doing something simply because you want to, you enjoy it and you find pleasure from it. If you use those items to filter your pies through, then I believe that not only will you work more towards your pies, but you will have more fun and feel better about yourself as you do it. I hope this episode has been helpful for you. I would love to hear from you. Leave a review if you love listening to the podcast. Those five-star reviews are always helpful and help get the word of the podcast out to others. But also find me on Instagram, send an email, let us know what you loved about this episode and what you would like to hear more of. Until next week, stay strong.